Hi everyone, good evening. The time is 8pm Monday, the 18th of, what month are we in now? <laughs> October, it's been a long day so I'm literally so tired. Um, yeah, um, so yeah, and you're listening to The Late Show with me, um, Emily Florencia on Teacher Talk Radio. In today's show I will be joined by Michaela Lawson and we are going to discuss all things um, Black History Month and discuss whether it should be celebrated or not and ways in which it could be celebrated well because there's been lots of discussions centered around um, you know abolishing Black History Month so yeah um, evening Tom so um, yeah as I said in today's show I'll be joined by Michaela um, as always, please share the show, interact with us via the chat. Um, better, even better, please do call in. Hi, Michaela, I believe you're here. No, no, oh, because you did call in. I don't know what's happened. You could try calling again, um, Michaela, for some reason. Um, I did see you call in, but um, it's not going through. Yeah, um, so over as we know, um, October is Black History Month. And um, I was, you know, kind of peeping in some discussions on Twitter in terms of um, is there still a need for Black History Month? And there's lots of arguments, you know, centred about, you know, so the need to still celebrate it, which I understand. But I do also understand the arguments for um, if, it, if it still needs to be um, celebrated. Um, so we do have Michaela here um, with us. So hi, Michaela. Hi. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so if you just want to introduce yourself um, briefly about, you know, what you do and, um, yeah, and your project that you do with us. Yeah. Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, so I'm formerly a primary school teacher. I used to um, teach year six, literally just left in July. And... Um, I run this project, it's called the Prosperity Project, and we work on building teachers' racial literacy uh, because we know that it's something that it's not a given, um, it's something that we have to, to learn and, and we're continuously on a journey of knowledge. Um, and so yes, we build kind of racial, racial literacy via training and also um, curriculum development and just supporting schools to be more representative and, and working towards that kind of place of anti-racism really. Well, I love that. Thank you so much, um, Michaela. And how's that transition been going from, um, you know, primary and now full time into, um, you know, your, your consultancy basically? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a journey. <laughs> it really has been a journey. Um, you know, the past year when I was still in education, I was part time. So that really helped with my transition. Um, but I would say, you know, having regular hours <laughs> is a blessing. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, not taking work home, etc. But I do miss school. Um, I'm glad that I'm still in schools and, you know, we do workshops with children and things like that. So I'm still kind of in the education space, which mm. I'm really happy about. Um, I don't think I would want to leave really. It's just, you know, education is tough. 
Yeah, so yeah, it is. <laughs> and especially in this context, uh, you know, exactly. dealing with um, the legacy of COVID, it, it has been tough. Oh, thank you so much for joining. And um, you did mention the Prosperity Project. So just for those that are listening, um, how can people, you know, what is the Twitter handle for the Prosperity Project, just in case people want to follow you yes. and also your, um, you know, your project, basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Twitter account is at T Prosperity Proj. Um, and I'm M Lawson TVB. So I'm sure you'll find us. <laughs> Thank you. And I have, you know, tweeted her handle in terms of advertising the show as well. And yeah, Michaela's awesome. Honestly, I've picked her brains on a few issues. And yeah, she's great. She knows her stuff. So. Uh, the first question I wanted to ask you is what is the value of Black History Month? Because I did, you know, mention earlier on before and it's not, you know, and um, quite a few big names I don't want to name drop, um, <laughs> but are also Black, um, are actually arguing, not arguing, but discussing actually there doesn't need to be a case, you know, for, um, there doesn't need to be a need for Black History Month um, if a curriculum's doing the job well, um, which I can understand um, as well. But you know, before we go and explore that side of the argument, if we could first and foremost discuss what is the value of Black History Month, you know, in your opinion? Well, you know, since I've kind of learned the history of Black History Month, yeah, um, it's just, it really, really does resonate with me, the initial intentions for why it was created, right? So, you know, going back, we have to put everything in context. I think um, some people might be aware um, you know, that it started in the States in about the 1920s, um, started as a week, and mm. then it really was kind of integrated into the UK from 1987 onwards, right? Yeah. And um, the founder, Akiaba Adesebo, he really was just disen- disheartened with the fact that children that had African heritage didn't, weren't proud. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really had what he called an identity crisis um, where they realized that there was such negative associations between Africanness, um, you know, and, and so they just, they wanted to shy away from that aspect of their identity. Um, and, and, you know, he mentions this story with um, one of uh, his colleagues saying that um, her child literally asked her, you know, why can't I be white? <laughs> yeah oh wow um, that's yeah that's really sad it's really really sad <laughs> yeah. you know so it always just that's what motivates me and and i think is the importance and the value of black history month it's that part it's the fact that we still haven't crossed the bridge yet where african children and people from the african di- diaspora can feel authentically happy and and proud of that experience you know it, it is that moment where they realize that actually the world is stacked against them in, in many ways um, yeah. and and actually wanting to hide those kind of aspects that would show their identity right i don't believe that we're there yet we're not we we haven't reached the point where you know it's something to be proud you know i mean i'd say it's not something to be proud of but yeah <laughs> where children are feeling proud um and so for me that is why we still need to do it it's that we still need to celebrate our heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, we still need to to really integrate that the African story or the story of African peoples in the UK for people to understand that 
you know we didn't just arrive here 10 years ago yeah i agree yeah <laughs> we've, we've we've had a long history with this country um and and you know in many ways african people were here before britishness existed mm-hmm. um and, and so i think that if if we really knew that and and we were able to fully celebrate it then we could move past this month but I just don't feel that we we've we really got there yet mm, um, wow uh, that's a key thing that you said that if we have this you know already embedded we could move past you know um the month um I think that's really that's I think that's that's really key because I think last year looking at my own practice and reflecting um I wanted to do so much for Black History Month because you know it was in the wake of George Floyd and I wanted to kind of overcompensate for that and our curriculum in all honesty wasn't up to scratch so I was doing way too much last October and because I've because um my department and I have worked as a team to change your curriculum um, to make it more diverse. I don't really feel like I had to do as much um, from the history perspective in terms of whole school for Black History Month because our curriculum serves uh, is diverse now. We we did our theme for this um, month is um, African kingdoms and linking that into you know proud to be and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I feel like last year I tried to overcompensate com- for quite a poor <laughs> curriculum, um, but this year, because I'm confident in our provision, um, I, 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 we haven't done so much like I did last year, um, and I just really want I want to read this quote um, from um, a tweet um, that I saw. And it said, right now, um, I'd be, I'd really be in favour of abolishing Black History Month in a hope that some of the work would be spread across the year, rather than concentrated in one week at the end of, you know, one week at the end of September or one week, or in a month in terms of October. And it links to what you said in terms of until we get that right, the aspect of spreading it across the year, until we, you know, get that right in terms of embedding a diverse curriculum we still kind of need that month would you agree on that or disagree um so you know that was the intention with celebrating black history month and even going way back into when it was the first week um you know in the states in in the 1920s the idea was that it was a short-term initiative yeah, Black History Month was never supposed to be something that was still celebrating, pushing a hundred years, right? Yeah. Um, it's it was supposed to be something where we were going to promote and amplify the experiences of, um, people from the African diaspora. Yeah. Right? So that people would have the knowledge and the tools to be able to integrate that as part of their full, you know, curriculum offering. Like it was, yeah. it was supposed to be the standard, right? But sadly, we're still not there yet. So I agree. I think, I think, in an in best case scenario, we wouldn't need this week. But sadly, we do because too often curriculum, you know, subjects, topics are just missing that aspect of those contributions. Mm-hmm. And so the the kind of general um, consciousness isn't aware mm-hmm. of 
the yes. experiences of, of people that look wow. like us, right? Wow. And, and I think it's actually deeper than that. I think it's there's one aspect which is representation, which is really, really important. So as you said, it's it's getting those figures in, it's looking at African kingdoms, for example, and saying actually, you know, um, our history is more than slavery. Yes. Um, or, you know, didn't didn't begin with slavery. Yes. Um, so that's the kind of representation side of things. But I also do think that there, there's more work to be done. Mm. And so it, it, for me, it goes beyond curriculum. It goes into your school's culture. Wow. It, it goes into how do those individuals... So, for example, you might have a black child in, in, your, in your school yeah. who has received all of this, this learning about African kingdoms, for example... Um, or about uh, positive black role models, etc. But who still would go home and say to their mum, "Mum, why can't I be white?" Wow. <laughs> it, the the feeling there wow. is that representation might not go far enough. Right? Wow. That actually we still need to challenge stereotypes. We still need to amplify voices. We, you know, there there's a larger piece of work there. Do you see what yeah. I mean? And so yeah. even in schools where when I speak to them and they're saying, oh, Michaela, we're not really doing much for Black History Month because we've done all of this curriculum work. Well, I'm saying, okay, but let's look at your culture. Let's wow. look at the incidents that are happening. You know, you still might need it. Yeah. <laughs> Representation might not go far enough. That's so good, Michaela. And um, just something that, you know, you should um you just brought to like that I never really thought of about you know the culture of a school I think yeah that is really that's really powerful um I wanted to also did you want to say something yeah, sorry yeah sorry. Um, I think the culture is so important because um that this is what we mean by uplifting individuals right like I wow. have always been shown um you know positive black women for example especially in my household um and, you know, as much as that connects and did resonate with me, I needed to see it in action. I needed the wow. people around me to also wow. buy into that. Yeah. And, um, and I also needed to feel protected. And unfortunately, that's not what happened. You know, these, yeah. you know, I've had certain experiences in my life that would show me otherwise. And so I do think that the culture is a massive piece here. It's, mm. it's just saying that we're this month is still needed you know and and I like just I like the fact that it brings it back into our consciousness every year we have wow. to start thinking and think actually yeah. are we going far enough you know and and so schools that say oh we've kind of done we've done enough for it etc and I, I would just ask like what what is enough and why wow. why are you the judge of that oh, <laughs> that's so good yeah you're so good um yeah, so inspiring just listening to you because I think I, I was I think I was at the stage, in all honesty, just being real with you, um, thinking actually I, I'm kind of done with Black History Month, and now just listening to you, I um, I'm thinking actually no, yeah you've, <laughs> you've, you've, you've yeah I'm thinking no. I think all of um, us have got to that point, but that's because of so many years of you know Black History Month being done a certain way, either it being tokenistic or you know us just feeling that it didn't have the impact that it was supposed to and I just think if we come back to that original message of yeah. the children like this wow. we're doing it for the children we're doing it so that no child has to go home and say to their mum I want to be white wow you know? that's what you're yeah. doing it for if you haven't yeah. achieved that in your setting then we're not finished <laughs> 
Wow, 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 wow. And then, um, oh, yeah, I'm just going to just throw a f like two, three different arguments um, and how you would respond to it. So one argument would be, for example, but practically every month now there's something you've got lgbt <laughs> month LGB, uh, i say i say it wrong all the time sorry lgbtq month in june you've got women's month i don't know what month is that march um then you've yeah, got i think, I think so. there's an asia month apparently in june as well yeah. i think or july something like that um and every time i'm on twitter it's like friendship day or national something day and so what would you say to somebody that says oh there's always something every month and how are we going to cater to something every month if, does that make sense yeah of course yeah do you know what even it's so frustrating <laughs> because i i understand the sentiment behind the argument yeah know? it's just that it's just it oh every day it just seems like it's something else but yeah. for me, it's, why is that a problem? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, that, like, I like questioning people. Um, yeah. and, and so I would honestly just ask, why, why is it an issue that we are amplifying the experiences of marginalised individuals? Wow. Like, why is that an issue? Mm, you know, yeah. and, and actually thinking about, okay, you know, where is that coming from? Where is that thought coming from? I think is the answer there. Because... You know what? You know why do we feel that by celebrating different people at different times or different points of the year, um, that's a loss for us? Yeah, or that's taking something away from us. You know, yeah. it, it's thinking about your p positionality on those topics and and just thinking actually, you know, yeah, why am I why am I motivated to think like that? Wow! Oh, really, really good, um, Jay. Y-W-R-N-T-W-K has said um, Black History Month was here first. Um, no, I'm playing. <laughs> if people complain, that's a glaring sign, um, I'm presuming, of ig ignorance. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Thanks. You should call in and join the conversation. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for that comment. Um, I did have one more. These are just things I've heard in the past as well, but... Um, yeah, I just can't really. Yeah, just um, it's yeah, difficult. I can't really think no. of the other ones that I've heard. But one thing that I did hear this month, I'm um, sorry, Michaela, is the theme is um, you know, proud to be, and I've heard oh uh, that um, people feel that it's been high Black History Month has been hijacked, um, by you know the LGBTQ community that's just a sub an argument yeah. um i've i've heard um what would you say in terms of in terms of that i think it's a bit it's, it's a tricky ironic. one yeah uh, some yeah. would say that it's being hijacked because of a certain language mm. which is mm. the word pride right it, yeah that's the only reason why they link the two the two initiatives that's yeah. the first thing that i would say and the second thing i would say is when we talk about black lives matter we're talking about all Black Lives Matter, right? Wow, wow, wow. And so yeah. there are Black individuals as part of the LGBTQ plus community. I am wow. myself. Is um, it? I don't know. <laughs> and so... Yeah, what, we have know, to have a discussion when... on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. And, so, and so to kind of... To, to pit the two initiatives against themselves, against each other, doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah. Because when we're talking about the black community, we're talking about one aspect of identity, which is race, right? Mm, but you yeah. have so many other facets of your identity and that might be your sexual orientation, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so why, <laughs> I don't understand what the problem is with using yeah. the same language. You should feel proud, you know, mm-hmm. as a black straight person or, you know, any other aspect of your identity, you should feel proud. And so take that word, you know, it's not, it's not um, the LGBT class community doesn't have a monopoly <laughs> on the yeah. experience of pride, right? Wow. And I just think when people are saying that, it's, it's coming back to, you know, let's not divide this community. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. As part of the black community, there mm. are people who are not straight. Let's include them. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget, I was in um, Clubhouse. Like, this is when Clubhouse was really big. It's not so much anymore. <laughs> and I was in a room um, just hearing about all the experiences of the LGBTQ community. And I just, it was really, really sad, especially, and it was one of just black people. Um, yeah, and I just felt, wow, I didn't know, and, you know all of this was going on. That's like what we talk about in my organisation is compounded identities. Wow. So it's when, you know, for example, people like to talk about this thing of intersectionality, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the fact that, you know, certain parts of your identity um, can carry some privilege. For example, you could be uh, a white person that certainly privileges you in, in certain aspects, um, but then you could also be gay, right? Which mm. would kind of seem to have take away some of that privilege or take away some of that um, advantage, right? Wow. And, it, yeah. and it's the fact that some some aspects of your identity can compound the disadvantage. So, for example, you know what they say, right? Like, okay, you've got it doubly as hard because not only are you black, but you're also a woman. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, one of my colleagues was saying she's also a black woman. And um, she said that her grandma said, you better make sure that you're straight because <laughs> you can't choose to have another identity that is pitted against you. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. That really made me laugh. Um but, you know, that whole aspect of, like, compounded identities, I think, is really important. It's yeah. That a couple, you know, different parts can intersect and actually make your experience even worse. So mm. the experience of Black gay individuals or queer individuals, right, is very different to white wow. queer individuals. Yeah. And that is something that we have to pay attention to. Mm. Um, and that's what I mean about embracing everything. If we're going to talk about pride and we're going to celebrate blackness, we do. We have to identify that there is something unique about our blackness that really does, um, you know, shape our experience. Yeah, and not just unique, as you touched upon, but also diverse as well. Because, you know, you could be a black Jew or a black I don't know, like you know, from the LGBT community. Yeah or like whatever and I think one thing that I remember my old assistant head did um in her last school is that she made posters of um different black peoples around the school um that were just not the stereotypical black thing so for example I'm black and I like skateboarding obviously that's not um a typical black kind of you know stereotypical view but it, it it's kind of breaking that stere- um those stereotypes it's like i'm black and i like mozart and it's not just you know i'm black and i like punk rock it's not just yeah. about hip-hop or grime music do you know what i mean because yeah. as you said some people compound what it means to be black that's exactly it 
I will mm. want to actually share a story. Yeah. Um, we had a training session in September. We went to a school and um, we were talking about this idea of internalized racism, right? Wow. Which is the idea that even as a black person, you might have internalized stereotypes against you. Um, wow. Well, so well, that well. can like lead to self-hate, etc. You know, it leads to so many different things. But anyway, after the session, um, so I noticed that someone in the session, um, this lady, was getting quite emotional. Um, wow. And, you know, we always provide a safe space for that. And we talk through it with them, etc. But after the session, she approached me um, and she was really upset um, <laughs> because she said to me that she felt that she was having a really difficult time connecting with her black students. Like that wow. was the, the barrier that she was facing, right? It was, they didn't, she didn't feel like she fit into that stereotypical category. Wow. Saying, okay. You know, like, wh- why do you feel like this? Um, and she said it was because, you know, she, she enjoyed the choir. She liked musical theater. Um, you know, she was into alternative music, not t- not the kind of typical things that you associate with blackness. Yeah. And this is where I think this theme of this particular Black History Month, just to bring it back, is so powerful because wow. it's wow. really about you being proud to be whatever kind of manifestation you want to be. So wow. it's, it's being proud of liking rock music and, yeah. and not having that kind of stereotypical assumption yeah. that you're going to like rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And actually giving the chance to break down those stereotypes. So what your old um, assistant head teacher did is so, so important. It's yeah. showing people that there's, we are humans at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, we are yeah. human beings. We all have different interests. And being black doesn't make us fit all into one box. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in terms of that because I feel like society defines what being black is and that's what creates most internal, as you said, like racist racism, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I definitely identify with that, especially because um, I think you, you have said it in the last show that you were in, I was fostered and um, my foster family were white. So, obviously, I spoke differently to... Um, you know, black people, um, when I was in school spoke like, so, um, you know, those kind of like microaggressive comments of like, oh, you speak, um, you know, from other people, you speak different for a black person, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and because of those comments, it kind of highlighted the fact maybe I'm not as black. Does that make sense? And then getting called labels like Malteser or Bounty as well. Um, That kind of, I've only started to really embrace my blackness, I definitely would say, around university times, actually. University, college times, never really truly felt like I fitted in with uh, the black community at first. Um, because of that, I, felt, I actually felt safer in white spaces than I did in black spaces for a long time, and it ties in with what you said about um, having that idea that blackness is compound. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah but it's actually not like that, and I've just embraced everything that I can embrace. I am what I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree with you, and I think that. Um, like in many ways, I also shared that kind of experience. 
um, of people saying, you know, oh, you speak white or... Yeah, I don't know what um, speaking white is or what exactly. speaking black is. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the reason why that really frustrates me, that whole idea of speaking white, is because there's you're making a, a link between being articulate well, and whiteness, yeah. which yeah. means, by default, right, that being black is to not speak properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's such a negative assumption. It's a exactly. really negative idea. And I think when you talk about that, especially like students, because students still say these things in classrooms, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, I've got too many examples of that. And I just, and you know, when you talk it through of them and you're like, do you realize what message you're sending out when you say things like this? Because it often does come from black students, right? Yeah, yeah. They will say yeah. It. And I'm like, you're actually reinforcing stereotypes. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you McKay and I think yeah you're right in terms of that's why proud to be is important just to showcase that diversity of um blackness yeah that is not necessarily compound I really like that word (laughs) (laughs) um my second question is how can we avoid tokenism I think you know a lot of schools try to use that as a justification of not doing black history month like we don't want it to be a tokenist gesture gesture we you know implement it throughout which i was leaning towards as well um but yeah so how can we avoid tokenism yeah so i think that the way the kind of main advice i would give for a school that is in that position is thinking about how much or how far have you connected with the black community that's in your school already wow so what I mean by that is, uh, you know, take the month as opposed to putting on an assembly or um, putting up a display. Talk to your black community. <laughs> yeah. Invite wow. them in. Say, you know, we're going to do a focus group or um, an open morning, you know, however you want to sell it. But really listen to them. Yeah. Because, you know, you might not be aware of the issues that they're facing um, or the way that they feel. And so if you're not aware of those things and you put on an assembly, it's very much going to be a tokenistic gesture because, you know, there's going to be members of your community that are thinking, okay, but we have all of these concerns that you haven't actually addressed with us. Yeah. Um, what, you know, but you're saying that you are, mm-hmm. you know, accepting the community. It doesn't, it sort yeah. of doesn't make sense. So I feel that you have to start with your community. You have wow. to speak to them and you have to say, you know, what's going on? How can we best support you? We know that there are these barriers. Um, and, and so we're kind of actively trying to combat them. And I think mm-hmm. if you take that route, you're going to avoid tokenism because wow. in that way you've listened to the people in your school and you've also thought about, um, yeah, what they need and putting yeah. that in place as opposed to what you think that they need mm. or, you know, what you think is right. But, you know, what I have to say has to be prefaced because it's the more difficult work. It's more difficult to get your community in and speak to them and hear to hear them and listen to them than it is putting on an assembly, right? Wow, so, it's true. you know, it shows a certain level of, I would say dedication or um you know just wanting to to kind of do the right thing to yeah. to, to do that because it, it's not easy um and and hearing where you know you might hear some difficult things that were going to make you have to confront 
issues in your school community etc so it's not easy what i'm saying to do um, yeah it's more valuable you know yeah oh wow yeah that's a really good point and just to touch upon you know speaking to your school community another you know argument some people have is well we don't have any black students in our school mm. or mm. Our, the predominant you know student cohort we have are asian or the predominant cohort that we have are roman gypsy whatever you know so how would you you know argue the case that actually black issue month should still be celebrated despite having maybe a predominant um different culture in the school yeah so i actually think in many cases it's more important for predominantly white spaces or spaces yeah say yeah to do this work than it is for the spaces that actually have those black individuals there um and that is because at the end of the day children are going to go out into the world right yeah interact with others we know that currently we're not setting them up to be able to do that effectively you know from simple microaggressions to full violent acts right we see this across society um so something is going wrong and i actually think that by not doing anything in communities where it is a white majority or you just don't have any white black individuals you're not preparing those children to go out in the world and interact with black individuals yeah that's so true they don't know how to do it they don't know what to say (laughs) that's why you know they will interact with our hair and want to touch it and that's true (laughs) I, i just think that that all comes from a place of not understanding um and and not having been exposed yeah don't look like them so in those spaces i would encourage them to start with their curriculum because i think it is probably the most important, important part yeah of them. um and and really there's lots of review tools etc online but i think that just looking at the material that they're sharing with children and thinking you know what sort of stereotypes might this be reinforcing about individuals right Mm. Um, or how can we integrate black people and black history and their and the community as part of this narrative that we're telling yeah in in the school you know and and i think that there there's so many things out there to help you do that Mm. that it is possible you know yeah Um, so yeah the key aspect i want to um touch upon what you just said in terms of teaching black history month or even any other culture cultures in the curriculum i'm in a predominant you know white space or the predominant um different cultured space is that need for exposure i think you hit that on the head exposure exposing students to different cultures so that they are equipped for the diverse world out there exactly Um, Definitely you know, agree. for example, like um, if you have a school that is predominantly white um, and they're learning about the history of this country and they're learning about, you know, the world wars, um, etc. And we and you don't teach them about Windrush. Yeah. <laughs> for example. Right. Yeah. You are encouraging them or reinforcing the idea that we actually don't have a place here. Wow. That, wow. Wow. That, you know. It, somehow it's not our place and you know that comes into that whole rhetoric of get go back to your country etc so yeah. you know there are opportunities that, that you can reinforce um sorry not reinforce you can amplify 
wow. our experiences. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it's so, so valuable. And, you know, any school that's thinking, you know, I don't know how to do this should message me. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I'll definitely be um, tweeting, you know, your expertise because I'm learning so much. Um, I just wanted to read this tweet by Jeffrey Boy. I, I can't pronounce mm. it. Um, Boy... Boyake, Boyake, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you. I'm so bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite bad when it comes to pronunciations, <laughs> um, but I need to learn. Um, and it just touched upon, you know, how Black History Month should uh, be celebrated. And he tweets, "Remember, Black History Month is three component parts: celebrating Black cultures, and he emphasised the S because you know it's not a culture. We, as we discussed, it's so diverse." Mm-hmm. Um, recognizing marginalized narratives, um, addressing oppression and resistance, and you need all three for it to have a real impact. Exactly. That is exactly what I mean by avoiding tokenism. Yeah. And it actually really links into the work that we do, right? So yeah. um, when we look at curriculum, subjects, etc., materials, we look at it with those three kind of things in mind. So decolonization, which in a way is what he's talking about when he's talking about um, oppression and resistance. Yeah. Um, challenging stereotypes and amplifying voices, which is that representation element, right? You yeah. can't do the work without all three. Because mm. if it's, you know, I think the representation one, this kind of comes back to what we were talking about at the start. The representation one is the easiest one. It's easy to get a couple of faces in your curriculum. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy to talk about empire, colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, racism. <laughs> Those things are not easy. Um, but they are so vital because you can't understand the experience of Black individuals in this country until you understand that. Right? That's so true. And yeah. so that's why you get people misunderstanding Black Lives Matter, um, or and and you know coming back and saying all lives matter for example yeah (laughs) yeah you know that's where you get all of those those kinds of problems yeah yeah Um, definitely so i completely agree with him i think you have to have those elements and and so when you're looking at your curriculums that is the best that you know you've already got a framework yeah to evaluate it you just use those three components and just say okay how far are we addressing oppression you know mm. how far are we challenging those kind of stereotypes or, or sharing diff the variety and the diversity of black culture yeah you know if you don't have those honestly it's not going to be successful that's so true because although you know black history didn't start with slavery slavery still um, an important part of our story i don't want to say history because i did see a tweet about you know actually and it made me think because i always saw slavery as you know black part of black history, history but mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's our history it's and he even went further to say you know it's actually um it should white be taught history. as white history yeah. i was like oh wow but we'll talk about that um as we go on <laughs> um yeah but i do feel like um the the story of oppression should be taught even though but it shouldn't be taught as a way that that is all too um black history if that makes sense like exactly. you know segregation in um 
America and then discrimination here because we don't really we didn't necessarily have segregation like America and the UK but even discrimination here should be taught but that's not just our history if that makes sense right and that's Um, where you know what you were saying Emily about sharing um African kingdoms for example right yeah sharing the Windrush is going to counteract the narrative that slavery is all we have to offer yeah yeah it's definitely. a balanced story i think right now in many schools unfortunately it's not balanced it's th- the only thing that they're sharing is slavery right and while that is important often it's done in harmful ways in ways that are harming children and colleagues yeah. um, and also it's not balanced it's mm. not the full story you know yeah. and yeah. I, I think that's really important it's yeah. even subtle things I mean, yeah, I'm sure we'll get onto the slavery topic later. <laughs> oh, I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I definitely want to, yeah, we'll definitely get onto that one. And, um, yeah, my last question before we go on to a um, break is how do you handle workplaces that want to lump together different cultures, history in one month? So somebody like, you know, saying that actually all cultures should be celebrated. Let's use this month to celebrate all cultures. Um, so what would you say to that? So this is really similar to the kind of not using the word BAME argument. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) For me, (laughs) it's that even within just the black community, we've already identified that there's so much diversity in terms of, uh, you know, who we are, where we come from, our history, our narrative. There's so much diversity even even in that one label, right? Yeah. And so if we now try to incorporate all other racial minorities – it's we don't have the same experience (laughs) there is a different experience that comes with being a black individual in the uk than it Mm. is being a person of south asian heritage yeah and so and and the the problem is this comes from a a history of political blackness so there, there was this concept um of political blackness which is i.e your essentially anything that is black is not white yeah so that's where um you know asian individuals would be part of that narrative um and and actually would call themselves politically black right um which actually has kind of fallen out of favor um in the last kind of decade or so because essentially it comes back to that whole thing of we just don't have the same experience and you know what we need to do is be targeting and listening to those specific communities um to understand what they need as opposed to just saying okay everyone that's non-white has the same experience and therefore we can just do x for them right yeah and so having black history month is important it's important time to reconnect with your your particular black community but outside of that, you know, you have the opportunity to connect in with your South Asian community as well. Yeah. You do have South Asian Heritage Month as well. Um, I think it's in August. Um, so I just think it's really important to share with workplaces that are trying to put all communities together that actually there is a unique, distinct experience of being a Black individual. And yeah. that is what Black History Month is about. You know, let's focus on that for this month. And then, you know, by all means, we can talk about something else when the time comes. <laughs> mm, yeah, I definitely would um, agree in terms of um, what you do say, because I think it also takes away from our narrative, um, from 
just our celebration. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a reason, as you touched upon, that we, sh- in terms of why we should, um, do you know what I mean? Celebrate yeah. Black History Month and, and the intention can... behind it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. If I can add to that, right? It's actually this whole, it's this idea of railroading. It's that when an oppressed group, right, for example, black the black community, brings up an issue that happens to them, someone wants to change the topic. Yeah. So this and this literally happens with every other kind of kind of marginalized community. So when women were talking about not feeling safe on the streets, <laughs> right? And, you know, kind of sexism, men yeah. would come back as a rebuttal and say, but look at the suicide rates you know, of, of men, for example, right? And say, actually, you know, are you really the oppressed group, etc. And it's just what the the kind of logic behind that is we're going to divert the conversation. Yeah. So you don't have to deal with this particular thing, right? It's like you can have 360 days to campaign about this particular issue about men's rights, right? The yeah. one day that I want to communicate that actually women have um a unique experience here um due to sexism you want to change the topic Mm. it's it's disingenuous it's someone's not doing it for the right reasons they're they're just trying to change the conversation and sadly i think that that is what happens when people are trying to put all these kind of cultures into one or just trying to divert the topic we don't really want to deal with your particular Mm. experience so we're going to divert it. We're going to just talk about everyone, right? Yeah. And and, and that's really difficult. Mm, I definitely agree with in terms of that. And um, I, I just wanted to ask in terms of, for example, just before we go on a break, that um, black history takes away or kind of makes, you know, um, you know, why people feel guilty? How can we celebrate it in a way that is not evoking white guilt? Or I don't know if I'm, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know, for me, the important thing there is let's centre the people who are harmed wow. in this situation. So I don't ever want to make someone feel guilty right you know i do sessions about race and racism and my intention is not to make anyone feel guilty however if they do feel guilty it for me that's the space to which they can then go and act yeah yeah wow we should be motivated by our feelings if you are feeling guilty it's because you know that something here is wrong yeah and that should motivate you to do something about it, right? Mm. And not only that, but if I think about, okay, in, in this experience, who who are we going to centre? Are we going to centre the person that feels guilty when we have these conversations? Or are we going to centre the fact that these people are harmed? <laughs> mm. You know? And, and it's yeah. just reframing it like that can help us move out of those difficult conversations because no one has the intention to make anyone feel guilty. But as I said, that comes from a place of understanding that this situation needs to be rectified. So let's do something about it. Mm. Okay? It's, you want to collaborate with me. That's what your guilt is saying to me. 
wow <laughs> that, wow you know you want to do something about this so let's do it mm. That's Definitely, yeah, I love that. Thanks, okay, you just show so much wisdom. I'm just gonna, um, I'm just going to talk through um, a few of our sponsors. Um, we have our show is sponsored by three um, organizations. One of our show sponsors is the History Hotline podcast. The History Hotline is the hottest line for all things Black history and beyond. A space to have honest conversations about Black history and how it impacts the world we live in. The History Hotline podcast explores some of the facets of Black history ignored by the mainstream, your teachers and the textbook. Check out the podcast by following the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. We also have another sponsor, which is from Oxford University Press. If you need support with your phonics teaching, Oxford University Press has free DFE validated programs to help you read, write, including phonics, floppy phonics and a brand new essential letters and sound. Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well quickly using phonics books you may already have in your classroom developed by the knowledge schools trust english hub it's affordable easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective to find out more about these programs and receive support from your oup expert local educational consultant visit oxfordprimary.com slash phonics and our last sponsor is this show of the show is mouse cpd if you struggle with people pleasing, finding it a constant battle to manage different and difficult personalities, then why not challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for your school leaders course? Alternatively, gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and emotionally intelligent leader course. All MALCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at MALCPD. So, welcome back. Those were three um, of our sponsors. Um, so, I've been having an insightful conversation with um, Michaela about Black History Month and the need to celebrate it, as well as how best to celebrate it. So, we've discussed how to avoid tokenism, the value of Black History Month, and how to handle workplaces that want to lump together different cultures. Um, so, my next question, Michaela, is what do you do when white people see it as their duty to plan how to celebrate Black History Month? I never really get this. I feel sometimes it might be the, the black workers' duty to celebrate it. Mm. I don't know. It's a bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's a question I get asked, um, but it's not one that I see happens often. Yeah. As you said, it is more, a, what I see more often is a school will say to any Black staff member, hey, Black History Month is coming up, can you do something for it? Um, which I think is problematic um, for many yeah. ways. But, you know, it's it's a valid question. And I think when it if it does happen and when it does happen, Again, it's just kind of coming back to, okay, what is the motivation here? You want to do something for Black History Month. You know, have you embarked on a journey of racial literacy yourself? This individual might have, you know. Um, Have you reached out to the community? Like, I would just prompt them with questions um, as to why they want to take control of something that is typically 
about black celebration, right? Yeah. Um, but in some schools, it's going to be unavoidable because you won't have any black staff. So what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And I just think, so it's not to say that a white person can't plan black history month activities. I don't think that at all. I just think that, you know, they might need some prompting or some kind of questioning to make sure that what we're doing is not tokenistic. Mm, I just yeah, yeah and um like I that's a really good you know question that you've um that that was posed um but in terms of my um you know in terms of you know the teachers that I speak to that are black in their context it's usually like lumped on them because they're black and they just feel actually it would be nice if somebody different could maybe join me on this or they could take the lead on um you know on stuff like that but I think for some people that are non-black they might feel uncomfortable as well or they might lack the knowledge as as well so that's why it might get pushed on to um black teachers quite often but I think the only so the reason why I have a problem with it is because often it is like just piled onto them and often yeah. it's in addition to the already existing workload that you have as teachers, which is ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, and and so what we see so often is this additional workload that black teachers have of having to of being called in to kind of be the authority figure when it comes to issues of race um, in 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 the school setting or in the workplace right when actually there's nothing to say that a white colleague couldn't be able to handle that situation there's nothing to say that a white person can't lead a black history month assembly in fact i would actually go so far to argue that they should you know because that is part of advocacy it's far it's part of uplifting our community and standing in allyship right like that that is an active way of being an ally i always say that allyship is a verb not not a descriptor you know and so I think I think it's it is actually important to have white people along the journey it shouldn't just be the black people at your workplace organizing the month but you might want to for example if um an SLT member has the responsibility of planning and organizing assemblies and often is the person that leads those assemblies right there's no reason why they shouldn't do the black history month assembly what yeah. you might want to do is reach out to a black colleague and say, you know, I'm going to frame this in this way. Would you agree with this? Like, you know, can you can you just give me any advice about something that they feel specifically uncomfortable about? You know, I think yeah. that it's we should communicate as a community and collaborate. It just yeah. shouldn't be put, it shouldn't just be lumped on someone to do that yeah. work if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree. um, I was speaking to a school recently um, who were talking about the fact that they were doing an assembly for the children about racist language. And they pulled in a black member of staff for that assembly and asked the black member of staff to share with them like how traumatic experience is. And although I see the intention behind it like you know yeah. they wanted to really give that kind of shock factor 
for the students to be able to to stop doing it and maybe to empathize with her experience a little bit yeah um, which they felt that they couldn't do you know asking someone to relive a traumatic experience is problematic in itself right so I just think we have to be careful about how we're using the experiences of black people in this month. Like mm. it, it does have to be done with care. Yeah. Um, so you can collaborate. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in terms of that. And I think it's very powerful in terms of collaborating. Whilst collaborating, you can learn so much more together. And yeah, I think it's really powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, McKay. I'm just going to say much from you. Um, I wanted to also ask you, what does the ideal um, curriculum look like, you know, in your opinion and to you? Gosh, that's such a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a hard question. Um, But I do have an idea. So I don't think it strays too much from kind of what we have. I would say that I think that there's some aspects of the curriculum that are obsolete Uh, things that we don't need to teach anymore for example there's no reason why we should be teaching primary school kids roman numerals yeah google exists you know um and and so i I think that in terms of knowledge you know i could go off and just say don't do this topic etc but that's that's redundant i think it's about the lens that we teach through yeah so for me it's actively questioning whose stories are part of this narrative that i'm sharing with these children um, and that applies to every single subject, right? Yeah. Um, it's so there's three elements that I kind of went through a little bit earlier, but I would say they are, and they are for my organisation. And when we do reviews, um, the aspect of decolonizing, and when I yeah. say decolonizing, what I mean is actively questioning the perspective that you're sharing work from. So, for example. When you look at the World Wars, for example, and you look at the the role of Churchill, right? Yeah. We, as Britons, have a certain opinion and perspective on Churchill. Um, He's celebrated as one of our war heroes, right? Yeah. Um, People in India do not feel the same way about Churchill because of the Bengal famine, right? Wow, wow, yeah. So it's all it is, and, and, you know, as educators, we pride ourselves on being neutral, you know, yeah. this whole idea of neutrality. So why do we not take that all the way and share the full story? You know, yeah. it takes two minutes for us to be talking about history and saying, yes, you know, Churchill did X, Y, and Z, but he also did X, Y, and Z over here, you know? And actually that gives us, or gives children an opportunity to make the, to kind of create their own opinion. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point. That's and a really good a point. a balanced perspective of wow. these people, you know? Yeah. Not just what we're sharing with them. We're only sharing with them one part of the picture. It's not the full picture. And I don't actually believe that that's fair. That's not neutrality, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so in that way, so that's kind of what I mean by decolonizing as an aspect of the curriculum. If we did that, we did that well in all subjects, I think yeah. we would really debunk the myths about certain individuals and also places around the world right we yeah. understand how or why we call some countries third world countries right like we would yeah. understand that because we we would understand the role that we played in that um yeah. and then the other aspect for me um is stereotypes so <laughs> i just think that 
as educators, we are so well placed to challenge stereotypes and yeah. really make use of that opportunity enough. Like I know I've done it in my classroom. You know, if you're covering um, a certain topic that maybe you don't know much on, so easy to just take someone else's resources, repackage them, and run them for a lesson, right? Um, but do you actually stop to question and think, okay, these images that I'm showing of a rural um, town in poverty in Nigeria, mm. what kind of stereotype might that be sending to these children? Like, wow. do you stop and think about that? Yeah, that's a really um, good point. So I think it, an ideal curriculum would challenge stereotypes. It would very much, you know, it yeah. would consistently look to any opportunities of describing other people or other places that are harmful, it will look to, to kind of combat those. Um, and then the last aspect for me is just sharing everyone's voice. So having a really balanced curriculum where, yeah. you know, we're in the UK, right? Yeah. There's when, If you're doing poetry, um, for example, and yeah. you are only including authors, you know, from the 1700s, white male yeah. authors that have no connection to your students present day lives right yeah that's one curriculum that you could have yeah or alternatively you could share some you know up-and-coming poets um or poets that are more relatable um you could have some black poets in there you could have some south asian poets in wow there. i love that yeah and and all from this community because that is what the uk is we we in in some vein pride ourselves on being multicultural and um and having all of this diversity but we don't use it in our curriculum it's not represented so so I think that's the other aspect for me it is those three elements for me it's we don't have to get rid of what we already have it's just looking at it in a different way Mm, yeah and that's what we've done with our curriculum we've basically even do the same topics but the inquiries are so much different now um yeah so so different in terms of for example we always looked at elizabeth but now we took something from the oak national academy mm-hmm. and we swapped it to the inquiry question of um why was the world opening up to elizabeth so looking at um you know england's connections to other countries you know besides europe exactly. as well so um yeah which helps them understand their day-to-day experience now yeah like you're helping them explain why we are so interconnected yeah and how people ended up at this country like that is so so vital yeah Yeah, for me i definitely (laughs) agree thank you oh i'm just learning so much from you like you're so knowledgeable (laughs) um thank you Michaela. um and I really, what really stood out to me from what you said was ensuring that there's everybody's voices was heard. That was like a a heart moment for me. Like, mm-hmm. so when you said decolonize, although you know this is a show about Black History Month, but it's like when we're looking at the Reformation, looking at how that impacted both Protestants and both Catholics, are they are the two voices being heard in equal weighting exactly. and not just one perspective? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, we, yeah. I remember being in year six and actually talking about that, um, which I thought was brilliant because they're year six, right? And, um, and really just sharing with them the, the concept of, um, or the name Bloody Mary. Yeah. 
and really going wow. into that conversation as to why Mary has such negative connotations attached to her when actually Henry killed wow. people. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. You know, I, I, you're even calling me. Right? Like, and it was, a, it was amazing because they, the children could really, really get into that and understand, actually, do you know what? It's probably gender stereotypes yeah. as to why you know, we have this con- this idea of Mary as, as this witch, almost, yeah. to, to Henry that is put on such a pedestal. And he doesn't get um, a bloody Henry, does he? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yes. it's just, that's what we mean when we're talking about including the whole perspective. It's like just getting them to challenge those ideas. And, and it's kind of critical thinking, really, at, at the yeah. basis of it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then um, just to link into number two, because initially earlier in the show, I asked you about, you know, how can we avoid tokenism? Mm -hmm. Um, So linking to that, how can we, um, how can schools build on Black History Month throughout the year, um, you know, to avoid tokenism? I know we spoke about tokenism, but what practical tips could you give in terms of, you know, building on Black History Month? Yeah. This is a great question um, because for me, it's so vital. It's like, okay, in my ideal head, Michaela, what would you want to see in a school, right? Like best practice, what would it be? Um, And really, I think if you've done the first steps, so like we said earlier of using this month, not as a a moment to put on an assembly or, you know, make a display, but actually connect with your community. So if you've done that work in this month, like if you've spoken to your community, you know what their needs are. You've got your steps for the rest of the month. Yeah. You know what's going to need to take place. You know, you will have identified, they will, your community will suggest to you what needs to change. And mm. so that is going to be your foundation to build on for the rest of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that even if you weren't doing that work, right? Well, I would certainly recommend that you should. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you weren't doing that work, you should be doing some sort of curriculum work. You should be doing some work on your policies and procedures internally. You should be reaching out to your community. Like that is standard. And so if you really are committed to this and you really, as you said, you want it to be the case that it's fully integrated all year round, well, then you have to build that culture, you know, it comes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, representation not being enough. You you have to actively create the culture where black children are feel that they belong in your school mm. community. And when I say I'm, I'm very you know particular about the word belonging, they don't feel included. They belong there. You've included them at the table. You know, yeah. that's what it would take for you to not do Black History Month next year. Yeah. Yeah, wow. It is, and the word that you kept using in terms of that is inclusion. And it's, yeah. you know, and I think that's really important. And I think building that in the curriculum, um, it takes time, it takes effort. Yeah. And um, I think that is what, you know, Black History Month is great, but building those stories into the curriculum, weaving those stories into the curriculum, that is what will create that inclusion for yes. sure, I definitely would say. <coughs> yeah. sorry it thank has you to be, it has to have that kind of ongoing work as you said it's not going to be easy um and you might come across a lot of barriers but you know if 
if you are being genuine and you do really want this not to be an issue in your school, that is the work that it's going to take. So true. So true. So when um, schools, yeah, exactly. Like when schools are saying that you know they don't want to have, they don't want to do it, they just want to, um, they feel that they've done enough in their curriculum. I'm just like, it's quite disheartening for me because I just think that you haven't really done the 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 full work. You know, it's the culture setting work that you haven't done. Um, yeah, and so nothing. Yeah, is actually that's going so. To change. Yeah, yeah. I like the thing that you just emphasize the culture setting. Um, yeah, because that leads to that is literally the bread and butter for change to happen the culture of the environment. Exactly. Yeah. And my last question is why does the history of slavery, why should that be taught as white history? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, my favorite question. There's so many reasons as to why this should be taught as white history. But essentially, because it is. It's something yeah. that white individuals did to black people, right? It's not something that we wrote in our fate and we decided. Sadly, yeah. it was something that happened to us, right? Yeah. And I think that by teaching it as a part of the wider story of colonialism and empire. Wow, right? yeah. You help students to understand why racism exists today. Yeah, yeah. Because essentially it was racism that allowed the, that, that allowed slavery to continue for so many years, right? Yeah. Um, and then for people to be able to block it out of their of their consciousness and just say, you know, oh, this is this is right because these people are less than human. Yeah. And so by not teaching it, by by teaching it as black history, right, you run the risk of people feeling or or thinking or having these kind of prejudiced ideas that black people are slaves. Yeah. That they're not intelligent. You know, the the same sort of tropes that were used at that time you are essentially reinforcing them yeah because you're saying that you know this is all these people have ever been or um this is all they'll ever amount to like that is the the consequence of teaching it as black history mm-hmm. um and and so when you change the framing it's actually really significant in terms of the narrative you know even there's there's other subtle changes that I was actually thinking about earlier um and I said yep we're gonna come back to it um but for example changing the language that you use when you're talking about black individuals that were enslaved right yeah instead of using the term slaves which is what we hear all the time talking about them as enslaved people wow 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 yeah shifts the story from being around this individual who is just a slave, right? You know, yeah. all, has all those negative connotations, not intelligent, not good enough, etc. to enslaved people, i.e. this person is in a situation that has happened to them. Yeah, and yeah. I feel wow. that it's exactly the same with teaching it as white history. That yeah. It's shifting the narrative and it helps people to see that black people are people they are human beings right yeah and this is a very tragic event that happened to them forcibly yeah. you know as opposed to a condition that was inherent or um was inevitable 
Yeah. Wow. So that's why I think it has to be taught as white history. Oh, I love that, McKay. I've learned so much. I'll definitely be sharing this because, yeah, you're just, you're really good. You're really good. You've even <laughs> shifted my perspective because I was leaning on, um, ah, just, you know, Black History Month still be celebrated. Uh, but yeah, you've, you've, you've changed my I've changed viewpoint. Now. Yeah, you've changed it. You've been good. You've been good. So I need to keep, keep the fight going on. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much thank for your you. time. I just want you to, to just repeat, you know, where people can contact you and follow you and more about your project. Yeah, of course. Um, so my personal account is at mlawsontpp. So you can find me on Twitter. Um, the business account um, is at T Prosperity Proj, and we put out lots of information, sort of sound bites um, that you know can kind of be the platform for you to have those kind of conversations in your own setting. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can inspire you. Um, we put out educational materials as well and resources, um, and then so yeah, I would be happy to engage and, and to continue the conversation if that's what you want. Thank you so much, Michaela. Thank you. No, just I've learned so much. And um, I'm sure all the listeners and those that will listen back will learn, continue to learn more. Please do. Let's continue the chat. Um, Please do tweet us. um, Please tweet Michaela as well. Um, Anything that you really liked or anything that you want more confident, um, you know, more enlightenment on, uh, please do message her and tweet. Let's keep this conversation going. Um, I hope you guys have a lovely evening and looking forward to resuming back after I come back from my break. So after half time. Uh, So have a lovely evening, everyone. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye, Michaela.